Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Chasing Bravery podcast. I'm your host, Kate, and I'm so happy you're here listening today. This is episode 14, and I'm speaking with Shawana White, also known as Peach Runner 26.2 over on the old Instagram. Shawana was an absolute pleasure to speak with, and I can't wait to share this conversation with you. Shawana is 38 years old, although she does not look it, and resides in Columbia, South Carolina, but is originally from Atlanta, Georgia. She graduated from the University of West Georgia with a Bachelor's of Science in Physical Education and is still a physical education teacher to this day. Shawana and I talk about the importance of our PE teachers, a profession close to my heart, as well as her own impressive running career. Shawana is currently training in the hopes of running an Olympic trials qualifier, and I think you will all be impressed and intrigued with what she calls her non-traditional training techniques. Before we get to the show, if you haven't already, please head on over to iTunes and leave me a rating and review. Loving the show? I want to hear it. Loving the show not so much? I want to hear that too. I appreciate everyone who has left ratings and reviews so far, and I thank all of you in advance who are about to go do so now. Hint, hint. All right, everyone. Now on to my conversation with Shawana. Hi, Shawana. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. So for everybody listening, um, I'm speaking to Shawana White, better known as Peach Runner 26.2 on Instagram. Um, and for everyone listening, why don't you just go ahead and give an introduction as to who you are, what it is that you do. People can probably get an idea from your name on Instagram that you like to run marathons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, like you said, my name is Shawana White. Um, I'm 38 years old. I live in South Carolina, well, Columbia, South Carolina. I'm originally from Atlanta, Georgia. When I'm not running... I am a physical education teacher. I teach at a K through eight school. And like you said earlier, I really do love marathons and I just love running period. Awesome. Well, I have to say that you do not look like you're 38 years old. Do you get that a lot? <laughs> yeah, especially <laughs> at work. Some of the teachers think like, oh, what are you doing in the hallway? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. I was so I was reading your little bio that you sent me and I was like, wait, there's no way this lady's 38 years old. <laughs> I was like, I'm pretty sure I look older than she does. <laughs> but I mean, that's awesome. I mean, like more power to you to that you look. I mean, you look like I would have said I honestly would have thought that you were maybe like in your like you were like around my age. Truly. <laughs> yeah. So. I mean, it's funny because, like, one time me and my running group, which is a, mainly a bunch of boys, and we were running, and this one runner, he was like, what school are you guys in? And we were like, <laughs> we were like nobody here in school. I mean, like, one guy was, like, 21, and then the rest was, like, 30 or either 40. And he's like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's a compliment. So you either you have some either some good genetics or maybe there's like a running correlation. Maybe running helps you stay younger. Um, who knows? Um, so I would love to learn a little bit more about your journey into running. I think everyone's story in that regard, all runners, I think it's interesting to hear about how they got started, what it is that has kept them going. Um, so take it away from wherever, wherever you think is best. Okay. Well, well, my running was unexpected. Like I never had any desire to run. Basically my high school coach, he saw me in the office one day. Um, I'm not quite sure why I was in the office, but I was there. And then he asked me whether I wanted to run. And I was like, Sure, as long as you ask my grandmother, because I live with my grandmother, because my mom, she passed away when I was 10. Mm. So he asked my grandmother, she said yes, and, and then I started running, and next thing I know, well, I started off running track and field, and then next thing I know, he was like, you're going to run cross country, and I was like, what is cross country? And some of my teammates was like, you're running the woods, and 
you run on rocks and <laughs> it's a long, long time. And I'm like, it's longer than the 3200. And he's like, yeah. And I was like, oh, yikes. And so I did that. And then eventually, you know, I received a scholarship to go to the University of West Georgia. And I ran there for four years. And then after college, I actually took a long break because I was just so, I don't know, I was burned out. I was just tired of running. Mm -hmm. And then eventually, one day, like in 2008, it was a long time, one day I just woke up and I was like, oh, I want to run again. And (laughs) I started back running, and then I started off running like 23 minutes. And I was like, whoa, (laughs) I am out of shape. And so then my goal was just to try to break 20 minutes again. And then after that, I just got hooked. I mean, I was like, I want to see how good I can become. And I just kept running. That's awesome. So how long was your break, would you say, between college and when you started back up again? Um, It was about five, about five years. Ago. Okay. That's a good, healthy break. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good, healthy, uh, a good, healthy taper. <laughs> um, so in college, what was your distance that you focused on? Well, when I first started in college, I wanted to run. I ran the 800, and my coach allowed me to do that. Then eventually he was like, no, we need to go up in distance. So at that time when I was in school, they still had the flat 3,000 before they converted over to the steeplechase. Mm-hmm. And so I dabbled in that a little bit. Then eventually I went up to the 5K, well, 5,000 on the track. Okay. So, Okay. Yeah. And was your school, um, what division was your school? My school was division two. Oh, and we nice. mostly, we really focused on cross country, like track was something that mm. we just did extra because our school officially at the time, there was no track team. We just went to track meets. Gotcha. Just to, just to go. Uh, but our main focus was cross country. That's kind of similar to what my experience was. Um, I mean, we did, we did run track, but we we didn't have a track. We didn't have an indoor or an outdoor track, and my school was known as like a um, like a distance cross country team. Like that was where our strength was, and so there was so much emphasis placed on cross country. And I actually preferred the track. And I remember being like, I really wish that I didn't have to do this part of it <laughs> because you you started off in track before cross country, right? Well, so I, um, I, I was a walk-on um, to my college team. I ran Division three, and um, I just – I did gravitate more naturally towards the track, but I actually didn't, didn't really have experience in either. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I, I think that for me, cross-country at first was really intimidating because of the fact that, like you said, it is really technical. And um, – so when I actually started running, I like started running cross country because my coach was like, no, you like, you have to do all of, all of the seasons. Um, I got trampled in my first three cross country meets, like face down in the mud because I had no idea that girls went out like super, super fast, you know? Um, uh-huh. and so that to, I think to me, cause I ended up actually loving cross country the most toward like at the end but in the beginning I was like uh this is a scary and violent sport <laughs> <laughs> yeah I was like I don't know like I'm I avoided other sports because of the fact that I didn't want to get jostled around and this is happening to me so I don't know if I like this <laughs> um but yeah um so That is so cool that you started as an 800 meter runner, though, because that's an event that I could never wrap my head around. Um, So what was your what was your 800 PR? Well, in high school, it was 223. And then in college, I got down to 216. Nice. That's pretty quick. Yeah. (laughs) But you definitely sound like more of a I know that like in college, like that's quick, but not it. It's it's um not like at the top of the tier competitive wise. So it seems like you do gravitate more towards distance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, so then when you started back with your running, um, I guess talk to me a little bit about 
because you said that you, you know, were you like at first you just wanted to break 20 minutes again and then you kind of were like, I want to see how good I want, I'm going to get. Um, was there a particular like race that was like a big breakthrough for you? Um, because I mean, you've run some really fast times since then. Yeah. So honestly, I used to run with this group and when I lived in Georgia called the South Dakota Striders and you know, along with that goal of just to try to break 20 minutes, one of my friends, Cliff, he was like, if you run a certain time, then you can be on the Atlanta Track Club team. And he always called them the lady in red, lady mm. in red. And I was like, okay, cool. I want to join this ladies in the red team. And so <laughs> that motivated me to try to get my 5K time down so I can join the team. And I actually got my time down and I joined the team and it was really fun. I had really met a lot of different people and still friends with most of those people today. And then I guess basically, I mean, maybe you want to know how I started to love the marathon, right? Yeah. I'm interested in all of it. Okay. And so, so eventually my, my boyfriend now I met and he's also my coach. I met him Mm -hmm. at a race that I ran when I was still on the track club team. Um, It was a 10 K and then I actually placed second in that 10K. And, like, he was with one of my friends. And like, I'm going on a tangent. Like, <laughs> You're fine. Get to the main point. But anyway, okay. So <laughs> <laughs> I just went on. I'm sorry. I just went. Okay, but anyway, <laughs> back to the part with my boyfriend. Well, then I met my boyfriend and then at this race. And he told me that races pay money. And I was like, wow, I didn't know that. Mm. And mm. so then after that, like, almost every single weekend. I was racing every single weekend regardless whether it paid money or not. But once I found it out, I was like, that's really cool. And so one weekend we ran we ran a 10K first, then we ran a 5K, and then we ran a one mile. This was all in one day at the same race. And then the next, the following day, I ran a half marathon, and I ran 122. And I was like, okay. I guess I can try the marathon now because I used to think all my friends who ran marathons were crazy. Mm-hmm, so I'm mm-hmm. like, who would want to go run 26.2 miles? That's like going to another city. So, <laughs> so yeah. So after I did all that one weekend, I decided to try, try a marathon. And then the marathon, my first marathon was in, was in Georgia at the Albany. Well, it was called the sneakers. I don't know if it's still called the sneaker marathon in Albany, Georgia. And it's a relatively flat course. And so my goal, I had a very ambitious goal. I should have just said, let's just finish the thing. But <laughs> I, I wanted to run sub three hours I mean, because all my friends were telling me, just double your half and add 10 minutes. But mm-hmm. that's, not, that's not how it works. <laughs> so in my mind, I was thinking that I was going to run 248. <laughs> I've never ran a marathon before. And... I'm going out there with this big goal of that. Oh, yeah, I'm going to just go out here and run 248. But then <laughs> I ended up running 312. Which is great. It, it was it was miserable. Like, Aww. Aww. I walked one mile, and I was just like, I was like, oh, is this ever going to end? And then finally I made it to the finish line, and I was like, never again. And then once I calmed down, I was like, no, I need to break three hours. So I'm going to do this again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> until I break three hours. So eventually one day, my second marathon, I ended up breaking three hours. So I was pretty happy with that. Well, I mean, logically speaking, your friends were right. You know, like I think that from a, like, just like a scientific numbers perspective, it's like, okay, well, I mean, if you can run 122 and a half marathon, then you probably should be able to break three hours. But I think that there's so much more that goes into marathoning that it just doesn't always work that way. Even if you have the fitness, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to play out that way on that day, you know? Yeah. And that's funny because I have yet to run my first marathon. Um, and like I, my goal honestly is to break three hours, but I'm trying to tell myself and I'm, my boyfriend's also my coach. So we have that in common. Um, yeah. I'm trying to tell him, like, I know that based on the math that I 
could probably break three hours if I did things right. But because it's my first marathon, I think we should just focus on me finishing because it could all go downhill. Like, we don't know what's going to happen, you know? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I don't think nobody never really know. I, I mean, each time we do a marathon, it's, it's a different experience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, so how many marathons have you run at this point? 14, I believe. Yeah, 14. Nice. Um, and your PR is two hours and 49. 49. Okay. For some reason, I, I wanted to say 47. Um, oh, okay. So, so <laughs> you, you, I mean, but that is like super, super quick. So I'm guessing that um, you might have goals of running an Olympic qualifiers time. Yeah, that's, that's my ultimate goal. Yes. All right. So, um, tell me a little bit about how you progressed from that 312 down to your current PR and what that looked like, like what some of the things were that you like changed and altered. Um, cause I'm so curious just from a perspective of someone who has yet to run their first marathon, but is in the process. What are some of the things that you've learned are like really important, um, for making it work <laughs> well okay well me personally I'm not the typical runner I don't adhere to the following like most people you know they don't race every weekend like I run a race almost every single weekend but oh. what what I learned from marathon training that's really important to me is running the easy days easy okay and like a lot of people get wrapped up and think that they have to run a certain pace but really to me you just have to just go slow and just worry about going fast on the fast days and that's the most important thing for me and also just building up my mileage gradually because I found out with me that the more as I increase the miles then I'm able to run a faster time in the marathon Mm. so mileage has been key for you but making sure that you're recovering yes Okay. Um, and so you said you run a race almost every weekend. That's so, um, I think that's so cool because I think that that's such a great way to like, almost like race your way into shape. Is that kind of how you think of it? <laughs> kind of. See, basically what, what goes on, like I have key races. These mm-hmm. are races I want to perform well. And then some of the other races, they're just races that I just run in to get a good workout. And hopefully I can place if possible. If not, it's okay. That's awesome, though. Yeah, because, like, after I ran my PR in December last year, Mm -hmm. the following week I ran a 10K on that Saturday, and then I came back on that Sunday and ran a half marathon. Now, at first we wasn't going to do the half marathon. We was like, we're going to stretch it. But then we was like, since we're already in the race, we might as well go and do it. And so we did it, and... I mean, I was surprised at how fast I ran that day. I was like, huh, (laughs) maybe I didn't run the marathon hard enough. But (laughs) I ran that marathon. It was so cold, and I'm not not good in cold weather. Like, if it's below freezing, I can't function well. I mean, I was really proud of myself for finishing, you know, because. And it was your PR. Yeah, it was, it was so, it was so hard. Like, my body was freezing, my hamstring was seasoned up. I mean, it was, it was, it was a fight to the finish line for sure. Yeah. Well, so what marathon did you run in December? Rocket city in Huntsville, Alabama. Oh, okay. Um, so I mean, you would think it might've been a little bit warmer, but I guess Alabama is hit or miss. We, um, my family moved around a lot when I was younger. My dad's job was very transient, and we lived in um, we lived in Anniston, Alabama, for a while. Um, oh, yeah, an hour from West Georgia. Yeah, or, yeah, something like that. Do you know? That's cool. I was I was wondering because um, I love I actually love your accent because I'm like that's just it sounds very like I know it like it sounds familiar to me. Um, and I think it's interesting because I think that all Southern accents have a little bit of a difference depending on like the geographic yeah. location. <laughs> yeah. Cause my mom is from North Carolina and 
her uh, southern accent is like very different than people from like Alabama or someone from Louisiana or um, and I always tell people that I'm like there are subtle differences between a Louisianan southern accent and a North Carolinian southern accent <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, well so um, so you you've run the 249 and are you do you have a goal race in mind for like this year? Yeah. Well, okay. Well, I, re- I just ran a marathon last weekend. Oh, and- geez. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> and, and it's like every single marathon that I run is I'm trying to qualify. And so this week, last weekend was not so great. I well, it was, it was rather warm. I, I haven't, I haven't, um, been able to run the perfect weather marathon yet mm. i mean my sweet spot is 40 and so you know i'm still waiting for that day but i i ran um mercedes benz in birmingham alabama i love alabama alabama is good to me <laughs> I like and alabama i too. ended up running 251 which was relatively good on this course because this course is very challenging mm-hmm. there's a, a lot of hills and it's two loops and it's basically a course pr for me because in the Previous years, I ran 256, so I figure on a nice day, perfect weather, and my body hold up, that I should be able to get the standard, but my next attempt is going to be less than than three weeks. I'm going to try it at One City Marathon in Newport News, Virginia, Mm -hmm. and I think... Well, yeah, and my boyfriend, he's probably going to run with me, so. Oh, good. Very cool. <laughs> so is he going to try to pace you a little bit? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's so exciting. I'm, like, super pumped. <laughs> <laughs> oh, too. that's really cool. Um, And, like, wow, I can't believe that you are doing, like, a marathon because, like, you just ran one and you're going to do another one basically yeah. a month after. Yeah, we chalked that up as just a good long hard long run. Okay. You know, because really I wasn't really sore the next day cuz like that Monday I ran 10 miles and like after every single marathon I always run 8 to 10 miles to help with recovery. Okay. So it sounds like you you really do like thrive on high mileage and so for you it's not necessarily a big deal to run a marathon because it you like you said you can use it as like a long run um so I think that that's I I think like um it's always important to remember just how different everybody is in terms of like what their body can handle um because like for instance um I just had uh Tara Welling on the podcast um last week and so she has some like uh, bone health stuff. Um, and we were kind of talking about that because, um, I also am pretty similar. Like I just break really easily, but Mm -hmm. I think that if you don't have those problems, I think it looks like training can look very differently, but it's so hard to wrap your mind around that when you're not someone who can withhold like, or withstand that high mileage, but everyone's so different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, so your boyfriend's your coach, and he must also be a runner too. Yes. Okay. So, um, what is he also a marathoner? Uh, he he runs all distances. He doesn't really like to classify himself as one particular type of runner. He just <laughs> loves to run it all. <laughs> Are you his only athlete? No, he, he has about I think about. 20 athletes that he's currently coaching right now oh wow so is that what he does like for a profession he's a is he just a coach oh no he's his full-time job is a mental health counselor oh well then we have that in common (laughs) yeah so do you guys work at the same school no he actually worked for the state so some of his clients are school age kids from my school and some are you know adults mm-hmm. that come into his office yeah well 
Um, I want to talk a little bit about your job because I have a special place in my heart for PE teachers. My boyfriend's a PE teacher, and I know how important your role is um, within the school and especially with the kids. And I don't think that you guys are given enough credit. (laughs) Um, And and so I definitely would love to take like – I guess, number one, say thank you for what you do because it's such an important thing within the public schools. Um, but then also just talk a little bit about what led you to that career path. What what made you interested in doing that? And then um, what has kept you, I guess, in the field? <laughs> okay. So originally, I... When I was in college, I was majoring in sports management because my ultimate goal, I wanted to open up a running store, Mm -hmm. a running shoe store. And so I was having a hard time passing accounting because you had to get a B and I kept getting a C. And I was like, oh, I'm going to be in school forever. (laughs) And so I was like, let me think of something else that I would really enjoy waking up doing. And I was like, Oh, PE, that makes mm. perfect sense. And plus, you know, at the time, most kids aren't active these days because they're really into technology. And I was like, maybe I can influence maybe one kid to go outside and play again or just to be active. So I was like, I'm going to go and do PE. And so basically what keeps me going in my job, because sometimes, you know, it's not really difficult with the kids. I mean, well, sometimes it can be, but it's mostly the administration when they try to make PE become an academic subject, Mm. which I understand where they want to integrate math, language arts, et cetera, et cetera. But PE to me is a time where a kid can get a break and move around and where we can teach them the benefits of moving around, exercising Mm. and, and being fit not, you know, reiterating what the teacher taught in class. Like, this is a separate class, and we want to teach them the key components of our class, of our curriculum, and not another person's curriculum. So, yeah, that kind of, you know, gets on my nerves sometimes. But I enjoy when kids come back and tell me that, you know, Coach Wyatt, I did this over the weekend, or or they tell me about a softball game or they may tell me, oh, I finally learned how to jump rope and I practice. Oh, I mean, that really makes me happy inside. And or if a kid tell me I went for a run, I like I really get excited about that. I'm Aww. like, yay. So that really keeps me going. Yeah. Well, I just think it's such a special thing that you guys do. Um, and it just makes me. It makes me really sad that we don't give enough kudos to the physical education teachers because, like you said, um, you know, kids are in school and obviously there's a definite reason, like, obviously they have to learn. But I think that people forget that part of learning and part of, um, you know, children developing is they also need to develop their ability to, like, move and, um, you know, have really good, uh, communication skills and teamwork and like all of the things that being active can teach you. I think that parents and society, like, I think sometimes people forget that, like, that's one of the best places for kids to learn those things is in the, is in the physical education classroom. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. My boyfriend talks about that all the time and, um, I'm just like, but, I, and, and he has similar frustrations, but he also, um, has the same, I can tell passion for it. Like, I think it just makes him so happy anytime he gets to witness a child, like do something for the first time and, and do it well, or find something that they love doing, like, you know, some sort of activity that's physical. And they're just like, Oh, like, I'm good at this and this makes me feel good about myself. Um, and he's also a runner. So he gets really excited about the running thing. 
Yeah, or especially the most part is really precious is when you you have that student that's very timid and shy and scared to participate, and then mm. all of a sudden one day that child just start participating and really enjoying it. Like that's that's really good because some kids are really you know scared to participate because of whatever experience they may have had yeah. in a previous class, but like. I try to make sure I create an environment that's welcoming to all different types of abilities. Oh, that's so cool. So tell me like a little, like, I don't know, give me an example of um, like a day in your, in your, cl- like in your, um, in your okay. work, in your work day. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. Well, basically every, every day for, well, it changes up like, We'll yeah. do a type of warm-up that's really cardio-based. Sometimes it'll be just as simple as running the cones back and forth, or sometimes we may play a game where, like, one, last week, I think that was last week, yeah. I had this game where they, it was kind of like musical chairs, but it was with hula hoops. And so, <laughs> like, I would call out a different locomotive movement, like walking, skipping, hopping, jumping, galloping, galloping. I can't say that word right, but... <laughs> You know, like a horse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so they would basically do that. And then when the music stopped, if the um, system was working, if we didn't have music, I emphasize with the whistle. It's like when I blow the whistle, you got to get in the hula hoop. And then our friends who don't make it to a hula hoop, during the second round, they go to the circle and they do an exercise work while the other students are skipping, hopping or whatever. Then after we do the warm-up activity, we do the main activity whatever skill we working working on at the time, whether it be throwing or catching or kicking or teamwork-based activities, we just mm-hmm. get into that activity next. So, like, right now, we're working on throwing and catching, and so we would just play a game, depending on the age level, because some age levels, we just have them practice before we actually play a game mm-hmm. because that would be kind of hard for them to try to just play a game and, and if they don't even know how to catch or throw. So, yeah, that's typically just a warm-up game, then the main activity, and then after that we wrap up and cool them down before they go out the door. Okay. And do you see, um, like, when you have students who are um, hesitant to participate, do you see – like, do you often find that it's maybe because of like a um, like an insecurity in terms of like what they think they can do compared, like you know, like they're like, oh, I don't actually know if I can do that, like physically, or um, you like suspect maybe that they're worried that they're going to be teased or something like that. Yeah, well, at my school, I think it's more about not whether they can do it or not, because I think most of the kids they would try. But what they may fear the most is when another student may tease them or blame mm. them if they're not winning, you know. Okay. That's, that's the big part. And that's the part where, like, if we actually witness that, we try to correct that behavior and explain to them that, you know, we have to be a good sport and this is your teammate and you want to encourage your teammate. You don't want to bring them down just because they make a mistake. And if they do make a mistake, just show them how to do it the correct way, Mm. not get mad. Oh, so um, I'm sure that you notice this, but it's like every school environment has a different culture um, in terms of like different trends and behaviors that you notice. So it sounds like your school, there's a, like a, um, maybe not so much competitive, but like, um, like kids are hard on each other about, like different skill levels and that kind of thing. Yeah, well, you could say it's very it's very competitive because like I work I work in a rural area in South Carolina. Okay. Which the main focus is on basketball and football, really mainly basketball. It's like a basketball town. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, so, so that it can become very competitive and we have to try to shut that down. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you understood what I was asking because I was, I I know 
I know how it, depending on like your geographic location, depending on um, like the diversity within the school, depending on um, like the diversity in socioeconomic status, all of those things play into sort of like the culture and the way that children interact with each other. Um, and, and like you were saying, like certain schools place a really high emphasis on like their football teams and certain schools are really into their basketball teams and sometimes it's baseball. Um, but I think it's a difficult job for the physical education teacher to try to make sure that you are like noticing when a student is or a kid is like being like competitive in a negative way or um like kind of like correcting some of those behaviors I think that's really a really a big challenge that you guys face um because you're going up against so much especially when the community puts so much emphasis on like certain sports and like certain skills being better than others um and the track teams never get enough recognition (laughs) no they don't (laughs) That my school, my the county, because like the school that I work in is is really small. I mean, the county, like there's two K through eight, and then one high school. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really small, and track is not really is not really a big thing <laughs> at all. I mean, we do have we did have. Well, no, he's still there. We have one kid that's a really good high jumper, but. That's about it. I mean, as far as yeah. my trying to get them to run, it's it's very difficult. That's why it's really important when we have kids at a younger age and just get that running into them. So when they get older, hopefully it, it'll keep transferring on with them. Yeah, because it's a muscle memory skill, honestly. Um, like, I believe that. I believe that running – if it's something that for whatever reason you're doing a lot of throughout your childhood for whatever reason, I think that it comes more naturally as an adult. Like I think you can get in shape faster. I think that your um, your ability to like build muscle and build stamina in certain areas I think is is improved. Um, and so I think that, that it is really important. Um, so – what so something that my boyfriend does that I think is really like genius that he just started doing this year was he actually sat down with the football coach and um, I'm pretty sure the basketball coach also and collaborated with them and was like, hey, you guys should really um, try to get your kids to run track during the off season because you can sell it as like a way to condition them for their sport. And so like we will work with them on all kinds of different things that are important for football or important for basketball or important for whatever the sport is. And it'll just like help them improve as an athlete because he was basically explaining to them like track is kind of like the, um, like the fundamental base to like all sports. And so that you can really, become a better athlete just by being a track athlete at least like one season of the year. Um, but it, it's kind of biting him in the butt a little bit because he has a huge track team right now. <laughs> and he's like every night he comes home and he's like, whoa. <laughs> um, so I don't know the exact number, but I'm, I'm, I want to say that like his team has maybe like doubled. <laughs> Oh, wow. Yeah. So it it worked, but he doesn't have enough staff. (laughs) Yeah. That's important. (laughs) Yeah. But it's cool, though, because he's like, some of those kids are so fast. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So are you also – do you also coach track then? Well, I – not anymore. Not since I moved to South Carolina. I used to coach when I was in Georgia. Um, I coach at both the high school level and then I guess kind of like elementary and middle school because the school that I worked at in Georgia was a charter school and at the time charter schools really didn't have sports so we had to try to be creative in trying to find something for the kids to do and I realized that they could participate in park and rec track so that's how we incorporated track into our school because we just participate in the park and rec so 
we had ages seven through 15 on a team. And so we had about over probably like 60 athletes on our team. And at the time we, we had like uh, maybe three, three coaches. And mm-hmm. so we would just split it up. Like Parker, coach Parker would take the sprinters. I would take the distance runners. And then another coach, which probably was a parent, we would let them work with the field event kids. Mm-hmm. So that's how we was able to split up the big group because that was that's a lot of kids, and especially when you have a lot of different ages running around. <laughs> but it's really it's really actually beneficial because like the younger kids, they are so motivating and inspiring. Like mm-hmm. I had this younger kid; he's probably like he's probably thirteen now, but at the time, yeah, at the time he was like seven. Yeah, so he's probably like twelve. Um, he was seven, and one day we was doing 400 repeats, and, like, some of the older kids were complaining, and he was like, stop complaining. Aww. And then and one kid tried to get some water, and John was like, water is for the week. And I was like, what do you mean water is not for the week? <laughs> <laughs> and so, I mean, he was, like, he was such a motivating little kid. I mean, and he was a good runner. Like, he was able to run, like, seven Seven something for a sixteen hundred, so seven, yeah, seven minutes. So that's that's pretty fast for a seven year old. Yeah, little legs. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it was really fun, and Aww. like I tried coaching when I came to South Carolina, mm-hmm. and it really wasn't a great experience because the kids weren't showing up, and mm-hmm. so it's kind of hard to coach a team that's not showing up, and yeah. I feel like. <laughs> My time is very, is valuable, and I feel like I have a lot to offer. And if nobody's showing up, then what is the purpose? So yeah. I really just had to stop doing it. And I was like, eventually, maybe one day I can go back to coaching because I really enjoy coaching because that helped motivate me and inspire me because I was like, I'm seeing these kids working hard, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I need to go work hard too, even if I had to do a workout after I got finished coaching them, mm-hmm. I mean, I was just even more pumped and excited to do it. Yeah. So eventually one day I'll go back. I don't know where, but I would love well, to go back. Coaching. I mean, I think that's the beauty of running is that, and coaching is that it's something I think that you can come back to um, in a way that other professions don't necessarily allow you to. Like, I think that, it's something that you can put on the shelf, but then come back to, um, whether it's as an athlete yourself or as a coach or as a mentor. Um, I think that's one of the great things about running. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. You can do it. You can take a break, like you said, and just come back. It's always there waiting for you. Yeah. In some form, right? Like in some way, it's something that I think you can always figure out a way to incorporate into your life. Um, and I, I totally agree with the motivation thing. I, uh, I'm not a coach, but like I said, my boyfriend is, um, I feel so bad. I keep bringing him up. I swear this is not, this podcast is not about him, (laughs) 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 but it's just, you know, you guys share a similar profession or you share the exact same profession. So, um, but (laughs) But I, I agree with the motivation thing because I one of my most favorite things ever is to go and watch the, those meets um, because it just reminds me of, like, why it is that I love running. <laughs> um, it's just, like, watching them, like, these, like, kids that are, to me, I'm like, oh, like, they seem so young and they're so motivated and they're so into it and they get so much joy out of it. And it just reminds me, like, oh, yeah, like, that's why – like, I love this, or that's why I like working hard. Um, or they just remind me that working hard is fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like all the motivation I need on a Saturday is like, go watch the, a meet, and I know that I'm going to feel totally inspired almost almost for like a week. It's like a good, like, booster. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I really do get that. Um, well, so um, – I had another question that I wanted to ask you, and I'm trying to think of it. See, I go off on tangents also. Um, oh, <laughs> <laughs> so um, with with 
the like way that you train, do you like always save your workouts for like the evening or do you have a group that you run with or do you wake up early and do them by yourself? How does your training schedule look like? Oh no, actually I run with a group um, for my hard days and for some of my easy days. So basically I need to stop saying that word. So <laughs> no, you're fine. <laughs> on, on, on Mondays, Mondays are t- typically easy days. And then like Tuesday is our hard sessions. And so we normally we normally work out in the evening time, like at six o'clock, because my boyfriend he gets off of work at five, and so you know that's the time we have to train. And then the other people in our group that works out for them too as well, because they get off at around five too. I'm like the only person who gets off like at three thirty. So <laughs> so I'm basically I have to sit around and and wait to run. <laughs> Which is really, it's really, it's really okay. I mean, because I get to have some people to run with and chase and focus on, so. And you said most of them are guys. Yeah, the when I do my heart session, it's with guys. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes on the easy days, maybe some girls, they'll show up. Because, like, most of my friends, they have to run early in the morning, you know, because most of them, they have kids. Yeah. And so... So, yeah, so in the evening time, it's not really a good time for them. So that's why I end up running with the boys because their schedules are very flexible. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it probably works out for you, though, because I think that sometimes training with guys can be, um, like you said, it's nice to have people to chase. And, uh, man, the older that you get, I think the harder it is to find women to run with. And it's such a – like I, I, it's like a genuine frustration of mine is how it, like I am always struggling with this because you know I'm post collegiate, and I always am trying to find women to run with, and I'm like, there's just not enough women for me to run with. Like, where are all the women? I know there are like fast ladies everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I remember from one of your podcasts, you and Alana was talking about yeah. having a group. So, did you guys ever get any runners out? Or yeah, so I like started that, and then I mean, still have every intention of like, like sort of like gain, like getting some momentum underneath it. Um, but I mean, the, the biggest thing is just schedules with like anyone. And that's kind of like what you're saying. I think that it's difficult, um, when you're in the real world and people have jobs because people's schedules just don't line up. And, and so unless you're on a team or, you know, there's some like stroke of luck and, you know, your schedule lines up with someone else's and you guys both have similar ability levels, it's just, it's really hard to make it happen. Um, but I definitely, I actually think about that often because like we did, we talked about it and then I did start, I did start something. Um, but I need to like really work on making it like making it work, you know, like put some like solid effort into it and get it, get it going. Mm -hmm. Um, because I, I do think that that's something that is lacking. And I think there's a lot of women out there who feel that way. Like, I think that once you get to a certain point with your like competitive level, you just, there's just not a lot of people that are as fit as you are and, or who want to run as long as you want to run or who want to do the workouts that you want to do. And it's just, um, you know, I, I think that we all know how much easier work workouts are to do when we have someone training with us. <laughs> oh Yeah. Because, yeah. like, in first, when I lived in Georgia, I used to do most – I still always did my workouts in the evening. Sometimes I used to do it in the morning, but most of the time just in the evening. I don't – I just like doing hard stuff in the evening time. Me too. In the morning. Like, I would go for an easy run in the morning and lift weights in the morning. But yeah. But as far as me doing a hard workout in the morning, I, I just don't like doing that. I just can't get my legs moving. I don't know what it is, but – I mean, like I can force, I can force a workout out, but it's not going to be good. Like it's, I mean, it might be okay, but it's not going to be like as good as it will be if I wait till the evening. Yeah. Yeah. I, and people, people will be like, what you do your workouts in the evening or like you prefer it. And I'm like, I do actually, I don't know why, (laughs) 
because races are always earlier in the day. Um, but I've always liked to save my workouts till the evening, especially the faster the workout. Like if it's like really fast intervals, I'm like, my sweet spot is like three o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> oh yeah. That is a good spot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, at three or four. Yeah. Well, and I think it's actually because that's when we used to do all of our workouts in college. So that was like on our workout days, that was when we had our workouts. And so I think my body has like that muscle memory of being like, this is when you run fast. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's kind of like the opposite for me. My, my body's like in college, we used to have workouts early in the morning and my body's yeah. like, no, no more early. No, no no more 5.30s or 6 o'clock morning workouts. No, 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 no more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you are you're, you probably are, like, resistant to it. Like, you're, like, once you graduated, you were, like, I don't have to do this anymore, and I will not do this anymore if I don't have to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's funny how those things work. Um, well, so, let's see. I'm trying to be cognizant of time because I know that it's getting late for you where you are. Um I'm so I'm in central so I know I'm an hour behind you okay yeah but I know like once it starts getting past so it's 9 30 here it's 10 30 for you but I know like for me as soon as it hits like 10 o'clock I'm like I'm getting really tired my brain is my brain is offline um (laughs) (laughs) um but I do want to ask um just sort of like long-term plans um do you do you have like a set time goal in mind or are you just like I'm going to run for as long as I can f- as fast as I can? Oh no, like okay, so for the marathon my lifetime lifetime goal is to run 238. Mm, okay. Yeah. So that's what I want to do eventually. Once I hit that, I'll be happy and I'll just continue Retire. running. No, I won't retire. I'll still, I'll still run until I can't run anymore. I don't, I don't think I will retire. But you'll just, you won't focus on anything and it'll just be for fun. Well, I I have fun even when I'm focusing on stuff. Like I I find joy just being able to run and just chase my goals. Like even if I don't make them, I'm still, I'm to a point where I'm just, happy and I'm content just to be able to run now I'm not gonna lie in the past I have gotten really upset when I didn't run a certain time or or if I didn't hit a certain time in a workout but like you know my boyfriend he's a mental health counselor so I mean he really did a great job at working working with me Mm -hmm. and helping to realize that you know that I just need to be grateful to be able to run and when when I used to complain a lot about not being able to run this or not being able to do this, you know, one of his favorite things would say, what would a man with no legs say if you're over, you know, complaining about a race and crying or whatever, you know, you can't do that. You just need to find the good in every situation. And so now my whole focus is just being positive. Even when I don't hit my time, like I didn't run, I wanted to run the standard last Sunday, but I didn't. And it's okay, but at least I improved mm-hmm. on that course. So that makes me really happy. And I didn't give up. I kept going. I mean, I just didn't go any faster, but, you know, I, I kept going stride for stride. So Yeah. You made the most of it. Yeah. So I'm just really happy that I'm at a point where I don't get upset about races or workouts anymore. And it's it's really more beneficial to my life because – when I was getting stressed out over races, I mean, it just really wasn't good for my health. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know, like, I, it's, it, it, it sounds like that's just like such a great way to be living your life because running is supposed to be joyful. And so the more you're able to remember that, the better it's going to be, especially when it's something that you care about so much. Like, I think that it's really sad when, you really love something and enjoy doing it, but it starts to become not super joyful because there's stress associated with it. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And I think that your boyfriend sounds like a very wise man. Um, that's a great, a great way to look at running. And I think that that's really, uh, really admirable that you're like at that place with your running. Um, cause I think that a lot of people never reach that point. Um, it took a long time, but I'm, <laughs> I'm happy I'm here. I mean, it was funny the other day, um, my boyfriend was joking. Well, he was joking with me. He was like, you remember that time you were sitting in the middle of the street and just crying? I was like, <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, that's, a, that's so embarrassing. But, yeah, that was me. I was that girl. <laughs> wow. I just look at it now and just I just laugh on it, you know, because it's like, wow. I mean, you just, you just have to grow. I think as runners and as people, we grow and we get stronger and mm-hmm. we just become better. I mean, you know, I don't look down on anybody who get upset about a race because you know running is important and so you know but eventually I think everybody will reach that point where you won't get upset about it anymore you'll be able to just see the best in it yeah yeah that's awesome that's awesome too that you're able to see that in other people like you're able to be like okay, well, maybe you're getting upset about the race, but you just, you just haven't reached a level of maturity yet. Like one day you'll grow out of this and you won't feel this way. Cause I mean, that's, it's nice that you, like, you don't have that judgment for other people either. You're like, I remember what that felt like. Like, I remember, like, I, I know how important this is to you or like why you would be upset. Um, that's nice. And that's nice for me to hear because I'm like, I was that girl crying on the side of the track like three months ago. So (laughs) 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 I'm I'm sure I still have many more uh, crying episodes ahead of me. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't quite quite reached that place in my uh, running maturity. (laughs) Okay. I'm working on it though. (laughs) Slowly but surely it'll, it'll come. Um, Well, so I think that's a great place to start going into some of the end of the podcast questions. Um, And so I'm sure you know some of these because you listen to the podcast. Um, Yeah. Um, So we'll start with some of the kind of random silly ones and then we'll move into the ones that I always ask people. So um, first question, if you could be a Disney princess or like any Disney character, that would best describe who you are um, or who you would like to be, what would you pick? Oh, man. I was so focused on the plant one. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so for a Disney character, hmm, let me think, let me think. Or, you know, it could be any cartoon movie. Okay. Well, I think I would love to be Pocahontas mm. because she was really a very strong woman mm-hmm. and she wanted to bring peace between the two groups, if I remember correctly. Yeah. 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 And, and I'm all about bringing peace and being loving towards all type of people. So... Mm. Yeah, Pocahontas. Oh, I love, I love, I love this question because it just, people answer it differently and sometimes they'll pick the same like character, but they'll have different reasonings for it. And I'm just like, I just love it because it just, I don't know. I always, I always listen to people's answers and I'm like, oh, I love that. (laughs) And you're so right. Pocahontas did do that. She was like a total symbol of merging two cultures and finding peace and balance. Um, so that's awesome. Love it. Um, okay. The question you were prepared for, (laughs) if you could pick a a flower or a plant that best describes you, what would it be? Okay. So I actually did some research for this. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, I wait for my boyfriend to pick me up because we call on Tuesdays and Thursdays. (laughs) So I, and it's going to go back to the Pocahontas thing. Mm. I would say a yellow rose because what I saw on my Google search, it (laughs) said it stands for joy 
and like I said, I love to bring joy, and I, I just consider myself a happy person. And then it says something else about friendships, and mm-hmm. I really value my friendships. And then the last thing was about new beginnings, and like I see each day as a new start where you can basically just uh, start over and whatever you didn't get right on Tuesday, maybe you can get it right on Wednesday. That's beautiful. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) I think maybe you should even be like yellow rose runner (laughs) 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 26.2. I I no longer live in a peach state, so. (laughs) Well, that's just such a perfect, I love that you did research too. That's awesome. Um, (laughs) That's so cool. Okay. Um, So next question is, what does being a woman mean to you? Okay, so to me, being a woman means that you're strong and that you're loving and that you're kind and that the beauty of being a, in a woman a woman is that we come in all different shapes and sizes. Mm. So I think that's really special and that, you know, being a woman, we're we're able to do things we don't have to set a limit for ourselves like the sky is the limit we can achieve whatever we put our mind to Mm. great answer (laughs) you're killing it all right Um, (laughs) no you are this is great um okay next question is um what is what would you consider to be the bravest thing you've ever done or a few of the bravest things you've ever done (laughs) okay well I think the bravest, one of the bravest thing I've done is moving to South Carolina because I lived in Georgia all my life and Mm -hmm. I really thought I was going to live there all my life and just taking that big step and moving here to a new city, not knowing anybody, but just one person, which was my boyfriend. And, you know, that was really scary. And at the time I didn't have a job because I was still going on interviews trying to find a job so Mm -hmm. that was pretty I consider that being pretty brave and and I think going back when I was younger when I was in high school um I think running really taught me to I guess really um, like myself because mm-hmm. in high school I really had a hard time because I'm really small and kids used to tease me because I was small and so with running it made me feel strong and confident and I was able to really stand up to the kids when they call me names not try to fight them but just you know mm-hmm. don't let what they say get to me mm-hmm. and then eventually through my running kids started realizing that I was a really cool person and mm-hmm. you know, and that's another thing why I love running because like running helped kids to stop teasing me because I was small and I was like because they was like oh she's a really good runner and, <laughs> and I was like yay because you know it's, it goes back to the culture thing like in my culture it well I don't know maybe it's changed now I don't know I don't think so but you know being small like me is not really a good thing you know you need to have meat on your bones as mm. most may say so you yeah. know so yeah I think just that those two things really stand out to me of my brave moment oh yeah I love I really like that and I really um I really appreciate um well both of them because you're right moving is like super, super scary and requires a ton of bravery. Um, and then the other one, I also really like that too, because, um, I think you hit on a really key thing, which is that like, um, running can be super empowering for, for, for all people, but, but women in particular, I think that it helps you to like, just really appreciate the body that you're in, regardless of size, shape, like, skin color, um, you know, whatever. Like, I, I think that it really makes you, gives you a, um, gives you like a really, it, it teaches you your worth. Like, you're like, I am 
worth. I'm worthy. I am powerful. I can do this thing. I am proud of my body. And I think that that's like a really great point to make in terms of um, like something that you consider to be like brave. So I, I like that. Um, okay. Next question. Final question. What are you currently chasing? I'm chasing sub 245. Yeah. <laughs> well, oh, and I, I meant to ask, why is that? Is 238 your ultimate goal? Is that the A standard? Well, no, the A standard is, I, I believe the A standard is two under 237 or 237 flat. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So why is your goal 238? Well, because I think 238 is like six minute pace. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you're, are you like, that's probably like the fastest I ever want to run a marathon? <laughs> Maybe so. For right yeah. now, that's all I'm thinking about is six minute pace. I'm not thinking about any faster, but you know, things may change as I get, if I, as I get faster. So yeah. I may have changed mind two years or three years from now. But yeah. as right now, I'm just going to stick to that 238. <laughs> well, I mean, that'll be flying. <laughs> so <laughs> I think you're totally rational to stay. I can't even imagine. Like when I think about running sub six-minute pace for 26.2 miles, it just blows my mind. But I think it's all perspective, right? Like, Yeah, I mean, it's the- amazing. I, I, I don't understand how they do it, but they do it. Yeah, well, and I think it's also important, too, to remember that, like, at one point in time, you know, it, like, I remember when I thought that it would be crazy to run, you know, I don't know, like, there have been lots of barriers that I thought that I couldn't break, but then I did, and I was like, oh, okay, like, that really wasn't that bad, but it's not necessarily because of anything other than that you're just, you've taken the time, and you're you're fitter, you're faster, you're more prepared. And so it's like the thing that seemed crazy before it, it just doesn't because you're ready for it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for being willing to record this with me. I really appreciated it and I really enjoyed getting to know you a little bit better. Yeah. Thank you for having on. I really enjoyed it. All right, everyone. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Shawana. See, isn't she as great as I said she was in the intro? I hope you all appreciate your PE teachers a bit more after hearing this. They are important, guys. I'm so excited for all that I have planned coming up on the show, and I can't wait to share each episode with you. I have some great interviews with speedy, amazing mother runners planned, as well as more OTQ qualifier hopefuls. The best way to never miss an episode is to go ahead and subscribe to the show. That way, when each episode drops, it's waiting for you in your podcast feed like a little present just waiting to be opened. Once again, if you haven't, please head over to iTunes or use your podcast app to leave a rating and review for the show. It's the best way for potential new listeners to find it, and I genuinely want to hear your feedback. If you're interested in learning more about me, the show, or the After School Running Program Initiative, you can follow me on Instagram at ChasingBravery06. All right, everybody, I hope that you had a great Valentine's Day and you had somebody to love and who loved you back and that you have a great rest of your week and whatever you are chasing, that you chase bravely.